You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. fellas welcome into rapid reaction this is your host sully listening to talking out loud and the rapid reaction tonight is brought to you by health medic cbd uh, if you would like all natural cbd products there is no substitute please look up health medic cbd and you can find them at healthmedics.com longer advertisements on the whole uh, episode podcast but they're bringing you the rapid reaction tonight welcome in uh, i'm your host sully joined by blackburn and drew and um guys i think i speak for all of us before i get to the recap of the game real quickly that I kind of enjoy the rapid reaction, just getting like raw takes right after the game. It's um, I think it makes us better. What do you think, Blackburn? I agree. I mean, all, all the all the anger and frustration is still fresh. You don't get you don't have to sleep on it and wake up the next morning, and uh, you know ruminate. Um, yeah, I like it. You, you yeah. fire it off, and it's it's better than writing a recap. So. But Drew, I think it forces us to be more fair people because we oftentimes, with our Twitter fingers, will say things and then you'll have 10 or 15 minutes come on here, come on the mic, and maybe our sentiment changes a little bit or we get a little bit more professional with the way we say it, right? I think this is better for all of us. I think it's a learning experience. We're growing. We are growing. And, you know, the old adage that cooler heads prevail, I think that's pretty boring. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, do, I do enjoy the getting right into it because it is true. This is like the truest reaction that you can get from us immediately after a game. Like Blackburn said, you know, when you write a recap, you either start writing it that night or you wait till the next day to start writing it. And your perspective can change with a night of sleep on a lot of things, including Dayton basketball, apparently. <laughs> so hey, right. I do enjoy, I do really enjoy doing these. Oh, we do too, and apparently, I did that segment, I always have reasons, guys, uh, because our fans like them the most. Of all the episodes that I've done to this point since Talking Out Loud was created, the rapid reaction got the most plays. So thank you, listeners. So we're going to keep doing this because when you make something the most listened to segment, we're just going to keep doing it. You know, like, we're we're really, we're fake, and we kind of sell out like that. So that's, you know, that's kind of like our brand. Like, you know, 
It's the business model. It's the business Yeah, we'll model. just keep doing more of it. If you want crap, we'll just give you crap. We'll shovel crap into your mouth. I'm not above that. Here we are. All right, let's recap the game tonight. Um, first 10 minutes, incredibly sluggish. Uh, Dayton, frankly, just looked like they had no plan on offense. And it... it I had a couple people in my DMs that said NKU does run kind of a non-traditional zone. And so, fellas, you know, in being fair, as I was watching the game, I said, man, this first 10 minutes is absolute crap. And I was beginning to get really alarmed by how they had no answer for this zone. And now once the game played out, we made halftime adjustments. I look back at that first 10 minutes and I say, "Okay, I think this is the most direct example that you could draw uh, to highlight how you can't prepare for a team properly in like a normal season. Um, I think that's exactly what happened in the first 10 minutes. And I think it took UD some time to adjust. Sure enough, they did adjust. Uh, went into halftime up by a couple possessions, I believe. Uh, I can't remember right off the top of my head, guys. You, you have 36, that, uh, 32. They're up four. Okay, so they're up four going into halftime. Um, and, and, you know, once they had kind of turned the tide around, started making shots, um, the offense was moving a little bit better. I think it it kind of felt like the wheels were greased at the end of the first half where they went a little bit smaller. They spaced the floor out a little bit more. Uh, they moved the ball around a little bit quicker. And sure enough, you know, it led to buckets. So then the second half, they jump out, they get the 15-point lead. And the story of the second half was the same story that we've been talking about the first two games into the third game now. This team just does not have a killer instinct. They can't close out a game. And once again, we saw it on display. They didn't really sweat it out, but the fact that NKU pushed and really forced the issue right there down the wire, um, it was just another glaring example of how the Flyers cannot close out games. And I wanted to start uh, the segment off tonight with a tweet from Stephen Wright. Always thank uh, him for putting out really good stats. And he said, in the first three games, Dayton has made a grand total of two buckets in the final three minutes of each of those respective second halves. Yeah, that yeah. is absolutely pitiful. Um, Blackburn, what stands out after the NKU game here the most? Well, I think, Sully, you made, you made a good point. Uh, with especially with the the way this season's evolving, and you know they added NKU at the last moment here, and it doesn't really give you a, a lot of time to kind of scout and go over some of the nuances of that that zone they ran. But I think you're right. I think um, over time, and look, a big part of of tonight was NKU just being terrible on offense. They had kind of yeah. a uncharacteristically uh, a good offensive performance in the first half, and I remember thinking to myself. They're not going to be able to keep keep this pace up in the next half, and uh, you know they kill themselves on the, on the on the charity stripe. That's no surprise there. Um, but you're right in the yeah, second half. Really bad. That I mean, terrible. Really terrible. It was 13, 13 for twenty three. It was bad. Yeah, and in the second half, Dayton came out. They were more aggressive. They were attacking the zone. Uh, Crutcher uh, finally did what he, he does. He was starting to penetrate more, and that led to a lot of open looks for for Chase Johnson uh, specifically. Yep. Um, so, you know, you're disappointed because it's only a six point win over, uh, you know, a middling horizon league team, but, uh, the team's still kind of growing up before our eyes and they're evolving and, uh, it's going to be a season with a lot of, a lot of, you know, ups and downs to say the least. There's going to be bumps, right, Drew? That's right. And, you know, like I also echo the sentiment about not having a lot of time to scout teams and, you know, with the z- the zone that they were playing, it did look a little exotic. So I kind of understand why it took them a little bit to figure it out. But I feel like once they figured it out, 
they started getting good looks at the rim. Uh, I want to go back to seven minutes and 10 seconds left in the first half. Dayton's down three, 22 to 19. Dayton has 19 points in the first seven minutes. From there on, Dayton pretty much takes control of the game until the last four minutes of the second half. So Fair. if yeah. you can take the from that moment in the first half up to the four-minute mark of the second half, take that together and start making that your normal performance, you're going to see good things happen. I was really happy with the way Jalen Crutcher played tonight. It'd be two. He turned the ball over too much, but you know he led the team with seven, which is obviously way too many. You can't turn the ball over that many times, <laughs> but – as a collective with 21, you know, Jordy had five, and Jordy, uh, this was a bad game for Jordy. Uh, plain and simple, yeah. Jordy did not play good tonight. And when they he's, didn't need him to, when Jordy, they didn't need yeah, him to, though. Right. And they didn't need him, but when, like, Jordy's bad is bad. And, yeah. and it's, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. hard to watch. <laughs> like, when Jordy's bad, yeah, when Jordy's bad, it's bad. And <laughs> Grant, you know, he got into foul trouble, and Grant went with one big and went a little smaller. And that's kind of when the offensive juices started flowing, you know, make that of what you will. But I just think that is the avenue for Dayton to be successful is to play with one big surrounded by four guards or wings. Yeah. And I, I think that's a perfect segue into kind of what we wanted to do for the rapid reaction tonight. Um, and one of the things that I kind of pushed to the guys is we're, we're three games in, so I think that we know certain things about this team, or, or at least we're starting to get an inkling of like who this team is going to be, right? And I think one thing that we know is that this team is going to be at their best when they're smaller. I just, I can't see any other way that taking shape with like a traditional five big, having two big men on the floor. You know, even Sissoko and Chase Johnson has been kind of awkward when they've been in the game um, and they don't complement each other all that well. So what I know from the first three games, guys, is that being the most successful offensively is going to look a lot like it did tonight, um, carving in and out of zones with a lot of guard play, spacing and ball movement inside the zone, outside the zone. I mean, that's how we killed teams last year. And I understand that the personnel are different, but the system and the idea and the concepts are the same. And the guys that are running it have been doing it for a couple of years, regardless of whether they've been together. Most of these guys have been here in AG system playing some variation of this, with the exception of obviously uh, the freshmen who have, have looked not great. Um, but you know, beyond that, guys, like I think that's where Dayton's going to be most successful. Blackburn, what do you know about this team after three games? Well, I know that they're going to be heavily dependent on their their big three, right? Crutcher, Watson, and Dirt Road. Yeah. And I think it's pretty clear already from the outset that if one of those guys has an off night, it's going to be problematic. You're not you're not going to you're straight up not going to have a good time. Because it's hard for them to manufacture buckets from outside those three for sure. I mean, yeah. The hope the hope and the prayer is that Blakeney kind of uh, and we saw a little bit a little bit of it tonight. Um, he kind of asserts himself and gets aggressive, but, um, yeah, I mean, I guess this is more of a negative than a positive, but, um, specifically dirt road Johnson. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I think it's, like I said, I think it's clear from, from what we know right now. And I think it's gonna be clear throughout the whole season is that we're getting that big three to, to, to play well every night. Yeah, and you're definitely right there. The big three are going to have to show up, and then if one of them doesn't, you're going to need an outstanding performance from somebody outside of that realm, Who? whether it be Jordy. Well, that's <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's the thing. We're still searching. You know, it could be Elijah Weaver for all we know. Like we don't know how all that's going to shake out, but 
I will say this about R.J. Blakeney. I really liked what I saw from him tonight. It looked like he finally kind of got his sea legs under him a little bit. Game slowed down for him a little bit. He looked more comfortable out there for sure. He looked the most comfortable of anybody who came off the bench. Put it that way. Well, I know that's not, I know that's not saying, that's not saying <laughs> much. Low bar. But, but you know what? When you're not saying much, you want something that you can build off for that, for that grouping. And R.J. Blakeney, I do think, is something that you can build off. Three for six from the field, two boards, six points. Gave us some good minutes. I really like the way he played tonight. Um, and, you know, outside of that, I've kind of, like, said my piece with how I thought they played. One thing that does concern me still, and it will concern me till the day I probably die, is we still get killed on offensive boards at very, very inopportune times. We out-rebounded yeah. them, essentially, because <laughs> they missed a fuck ton of shots a tonight. Of shot. They missed a lot of shots, yeah. yeah. But, you know, you still gave up what 12 offensive rebounds that's about six too many yeah but you're right i mean it you can out rebound a team when they're missing 35 shots in a night like that that you know it'll lead you to a lot of defensive boards it's just kind of how it is um you know another thing that we know from three games guys is that i just i don't see the bench getting a whole lot deeper with what we got i mean you say what you want about the Christian Wilson situation and the minutes that he's been getting. I've said that that's not the most concerning part. The most concerning part is why the other guys on the bench are not getting minutes. You know, UD doesn't have, we talked about this Weaver thing for a couple weeks now. Um, and if you're not familiar with the situation, maybe you're just joining us. I, I don't know. People are hopping onto the cast here and there, but Elijah Weaver sitting on the bench. He's a transfer from USC and just about everybody and their brothers getting a waiver this year without having a penalty they're eligible right away to play and UD has not applied for his waiver um you know make of that what you will to me it screams grades I can't confirm that but you know we keep saying man we really need this guy I think I think his skill set would help us out a lot um beyond that now that we're playing Christian Wilson all these minutes um, Lucas Frazier is not in the plans. I mean, if he was in the plans or he was going to contribute major minutes this year, you would have seen him already. I'm not saying that he's not going to get in the game for the rest of the season, but you know, he's not going to be contributing to this lineup and he's not going to do damage where it's going to make a night, um, an impact night in night out. And so, you know, you're looking down this roster right now and basically you got six guys that are productive and Sissoko Outside of that, guys, I mean, that's my biggest concern. I don't know how this roster is going to get through 25 games or whatever it is now, 23 games in the A-10, go to the A-10 tournament with just these seven guys. Like, I think the key to the season right now, that's why I'm getting to, what I know is that I just don't think this is enough. It's from from a talent perspective or depth, I agree with you. I mean... Talent, um, maybe they have enough. I mean, you know, this, this seven-man roster is... Maybe a little bit more talented than the seven man roster that went second second round in twenty fifteen. I mean, do you uh, can, compare? Uh, yeah. I don't that know. That team was that team was think, much better defensively and on the boards. They okay, okay. Let's put, I said talent wise, like they were a much better team. That seven guys, much better team. But like raw talent, eh, I don't know. It's yeah, I mean, teammate. I think it's, if you're talking in terms of talent, I think it's pretty close. Yeah, That's sure. That's what I mean. Um, but yeah, as a team team, if we use a, you know, capital letters team that obviously the, uh, the Bobby Worley, uh, team was a lot tighter. Everyone knew their role. Yeah. Um, we're, we're three games in. It still feels like there are a bunch of guys just kind of playing basketball together. Yes. You know? uh, it's, it feels it's like kind of a pickup game. It does. Yeah. It feels like a pickup game a lot of times, but, and so, you know, you, you're, you make the great point. I mean, 
this is the time of the season when you want to roll these guys out there. And e- look, even if they're terrible, at least get them some experience, and you can you can maybe steal four or five minutes a game from Frazier or Barreo, you know, whoever. Um, you know, having having Nibby Watson play thirty nine minutes a game and having Crutcher go thirty seven and Chapman go thirty five, and it's just it's a recipe for disaster. Um, and God forbid somebody gets hurt. I mean, that's you might as well put you know. Hang, just get COVID and just hang it up. I mean, it's over. Yeah, the ice is I mean, real, real thin in that regard. Like yeah. Jalen, Jalen Crutcher, as you know, he always has what looks like a, a career-ending injury every night. At some point, it's going to be real. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're spot on. I mean, they, thank you. Like the ice, the ice is so thin right now for injuries for everything. Um, and you just you look at the stats they put up tonight, and here's my fear. You know, Watson was five for ten from the field. Crutcher was six for sixteen. Johnson was eight for eleven. Okay, right there, that is thirty-seven shots from three guys who all played thirty-four minutes or more. You know what my fear is, guys? Is like this is it. This is the team. Like, this is what the recipe is going to be to win night in, night out. And, like, whatever we get from the supporting cast is going to be, like, a bonus. Because I look back at the SMU game and I say, who was scoring? I mean, it was Chase Johnson. It was Crutcher. It was Watson. And, I mean, what Jordy gave us was, like, a plus and kept us in that game. But then, you know, you look at tonight, he gave us nothing and we didn't really need it all that much. So, it's like... Jordy and and Rodney are kind of turning into these X factors where like whatever you get from them is just a plus, but you have to get the contributions from this core three, which I got to be honest, like I did not see myself saying that three games in um, because Chase Johnson for, for, for how much we've talked about him, the guy has been exceptional on the offensive, on the offensive end of the floor. He has been mediocre to below average on defense, but his contributions on the offensive end, I kind of am able to hand wave a little I, bit. You know yeah. I mean, you imagine this team without Chase Johnson. Imagine if, if he come back. Oh, I mean, I mean think about that. I mean, I wrote that today in the recon, how, <laughs> how like, how dependent this team is on consistent play from Chase Johnson. And it's kind of, yeah. I think that I look, I, I think the kid's got talent. I think he can do it. I certainly think he can be a factor hey, right. in a 10 play. 16 but, and 10 tonight. He's yeah. Player. But again, I mean, I don't think anybody out there thinks that Dayton can consistently win ball games scoring 65 points a game. It's just not going to happen. Um, mm-hmm. So the, the, you got to find 10 more points a game somewhere. I don't know where you find it. I don't know. I think what I've realized is that, and I knew we were going to miss him, but we missed Dwayne Cohill way, way more than oh, yeah. I originally anticipated we would miss him because yeah. I feel like he's that one if we have him, I think we can do a lot of different things. Because he's worth exactly what we're talking about. He's worth 20, 20 to 25 minutes and 10 points a game, 100%. Correct. Exactly. And you know what you're getting from him defensively every, night in and night out as well. You know he's going to be he's going to take pride on the defensive end of the floor and shit, might even start gouging in for some rebounds because Lord knows that's what this team needs is it needs a little more rebound production out of the guards. Uh, for sure. So we definitely missed Dwayne Cohill. And yeah, I mean, like you said, we're three games in, but you can already kind of see the writing on the wall and how this thing's going to go unless we get some reinforcements in the form of Weaver and Mustafa, or we see some serious improvement from the bench or like the bench ain't happening, man. An act of God, (laughs) like bestows upon us like a, 
uh, some random person to come in off the street and give us 25 minutes a game and 12 points and six boards, but that's obviously not going to happen. So like we kind of know what we are at this point and you got to hope, you got to hope you get some growth out of some from unusual places, but until we see it, then yeah, like this is what we are. Yeah. I mean, Grant, Grant is, you know, for all his, his foibles, he's not a crazy man. He's not doing this Christian Wilson thing as some kind of weird social experiment. Like this is not sending a message anymore. He knows the best he's got. It's, it's what he has. And that's, it's, it's scary. And again, for the, for the, I think this is a hundred time we said this already, but this is not a knock on Wilson. I mean, the kids, you know, he's taking his minutes. He's doing the best he can. But um, yeah, I mean, the team is what it is at this point. It really is. And yeah, like like Drew said, unless we get some some uh, a talent injection, I, I don't know how you consistently win with this offense. And I I said this as I was kind of watching the game tonight, but I would rather just find out what we have from the freshman and go down with that ship. I really would. Um, yeah, of course. I just there's just there's no long term play here, and you can't tell me that like. You know, Christian Wilson's going to give us like good minutes down the stretch in like February. Like, it's just not going to happen. So let's let's just cut that cord now. You know, let's figure out what we have. And and I say this because, you know, if people want to come into the mentions and get into the conversation and talk about like, you know, this shortened season and all that and how different it is. That's exactly what I'm talking about. We're bringing this point up because there's no tomorrow anymore. Like the non-con is five games long. Okay, we can't slip up anymore. There's so much urgency on every single game. Every game matters a little bit more than it would in a normal year. So you cannot waste time dicking around with lineups that like aren't going to help you in the long term. And that's my biggest problem with this is that, oh, you know, people like this whole week, and this is what bothers me about our fan base the most, absolutely the most, Uh is that I watched the game on Saturday, and I'm like, hey, from what I've seen in these two games – we have things that we need to clean up. Like we have big concerns. And I say that because of the exact same reasons I started with. We are in an urgent situation already in the college basketball year. Like you just can't have blemishes because they're going to be just that much uglier this year. So I'm looking at these two games in a bubble and I'm saying, man, you know, the season's upon us. We're in the thicket of it. We cannot afford to lose games. And this is what I see. And sure enough, it's the same story every year with our fan base. People are like, just wait. It's early in the year. Let the boys figure it out. They'll figure it out. It's like, just shut up. And here's here's the thing about that is like, you know, there are situations when you go like, yeah, it's early. They're still figuring it out. But then there are situations when three games is all you need to realize what you have. And this is the latter. Exactly. This is the, you watch, you watch three games and we know exactly what we have in front of us. And like, like Anthony Grant, like. Now it like you are the national coach of the year, dude. Like it's your job to make this work and do I like I think he can. And we could look back on this after, you know, a successful season and go, wow, like this was a really good job by Grant. It could also go bad. Like we like we don't know in that sense, but in terms of what we're putting out on the floor every night, yeah, we know exactly what we have. It's like, yeah, I can watch two or three games in a bubble and I'm not making an indictment on the program or grant. I'm saying like, man, what I'm looking at on this television right now, we got some things to clean up. And I was at the game Saturday, like there were some things to clean up. And again, it's not an indictment on the whole season, but man, there is urgency to get these effing things cleaned up, man. And it's it's like the the play on the court, you know, we really have talked about a lot of things tonight. And we didn't really get to the fact that we turned the ball over 22 times. 
I mean, Dayton is really, really careless with the ball right now because, frankly, they're not even shooting that bad. Effective field goal percentage, they're 34th in the country. I mean, they're actually running a fairly efficient offense when they aren't giving the ball away. But here's the thing. There's only about 40 teams in the country that are turning the ball over on unforced errors. Turning the ball over more, rather, on unforced errors. So it's like, we just talked about all that shit, right? And still, I'm looking at this and I'm going, wow, like, there is still a long road to clean up. Like, yeah, I think... We have enough talent to win games with the core three guys we just talked about. I think we have enough talent to win most of our games in the A-10 with like seven guys. But man, we're going to lose some bed shitters if we keep turning the ball over this much. I think that goes without saying it's a really obvious thing to kind of you know wind down the cast tonight. But but Sully, do you think if we, we don't improve the talent, we don't get anybody coming in, do you really think this is a competitive team in the A-10? I mean, think about this, dude. If we didn't turn the ball over even half as much in those first three games, they're all easy wins. I mean, in game but number one against – But, okay, but that's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, my, here's my question to you, okay? So, game one, 15 turnovers. Game two, 19. Game three, 21. Okay? I just said to you, like, I think we have all the talent. If the only thing we clean up moving forward is the turnovers, get those under nine a game, is that enough where this team is going to be in the top three of the A-10? Because I do think it is. I think that's literally the only thing they really need to clean up. I mean, the, the rebounding needs to improve. Uh, I, and here's the thing I'll say, though. Turnovers and rebounding are two things that are very easily correctable in I agree. practice and with the way you play. Rebounding is just effort. That's all it freaking is. Is find your man, box him out, go get the freaking rebound. Then, and another thing, stop letting the the teams get offensive rebounds on free throws because that's the most infuriating kind yeah. of offensive rebound you can give up. Yeah. But again, oh, that's that's effort, that's technique, that's correctable stuff, and as well as is taking the ball over. That's film study. That's seeing your lanes. That's being confident in your passes. And like Sully said, we clean those things up. And, you know, we do have the talent. You know, those t- that top three, if they're going, they're, they're three of the better players in the Atlantic 10. I agree. And you looked at, um, towards the second half tonight, that two-man game that Jalen ran so much with Obi last year, <clears throat> you saw glimpses of that with Chase Johnson, right? Like, mm-hmm. all he has to do is figure out how to attack the bucket with Jalen Crutcher because it's very clear in the first two games, Jalen tried to go around down the lane a couple of times, right? And nine times out of 10 last year, that's getting lobbed up and crammed into the earth. Like that, that's exactly what happened so many times last year. And this year he goes right down the lane. He's looking around, he's looking around, or he throws up a floater. And it's, it's not that he's lost. It's just that it's like when you play Madden as a kid, right? Um, You have that play that you go to all the time. Like if you need a couple of yards, you go to that play. And it's kind of like that. It's like when you've played a certain way for two years and then you can't go back to that play. Like, I can commiserate with that. I can understand where that's a little jarring the first couple of games. But again, there's urgency. We got to figure it out now. And I felt like that was definitely a positive was that Chase and Jalen were starting to figure out that two-man game because it's really going to become paramount, um, you know, to the season as a whole moving forward. But um, Blackburn, let, let's let's do this. You can talk about the thing, that, you know, finishing up tonight, what you're most encouraged by or or – or the thing that was most positive heading into game four. I mean, they got kind of a big game coming up this weekend, but um, you know, what do you take from all this in like a three game bubble? I mean, I, I, I'm going to repeat what I said earlier. I mean, the play of dirt road Johnson, I mean, that's by far and away the most encouraging thing uh, yeah. that, that's come out of this, this, this trio of games by far. It's been great. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, and like you said, I, I think Crutcher is slowly finding how he fits into this offense. He's going from being the, the second guy to being the first guy this year. Although I guess you can make the case for Ibby as well. But um, yeah, I mean, without Chase Johnson, this team is 0-3 right now. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's like a certainty. It, yeah. it, is, it is actually really funny to sit here after the third game. Um, you know, we spent so much time prognosticating, doing our little predictions. Like, what do we think the team's going to be like? All right, these guys are going to be decent. These guys look good in practice. I never in a million years thought that like Chase Johnson getting a double double would be like something that has to happen night in, night out for us to win. Here we are. Yeah. Against Northern Kentucky. Yeah. True. What, what do you think, man? We got a couple of days to reset before Mississippi State. I'm going to take everybody out with trivia. But before I do, you know, what, what do you. What are you taking from this three-game bubble? Uh, outside of the seven turnovers tonight, I've really, really been impressed with the play of Ibby the first three games. He's been yeah. everything is advertised. You know, 23 in the last game. Can't quite remember what he had uh, in the first one. He was in double digits, I'm sure. Uh, 19 tonight on 50% shooting, two of three from, from three. Three boards, two assists. You know, I'll sign up for that. Cut down the turnovers. Uh, he's playing really well. Uh, going back to, you know, we talked about what we know what we have in three games. And then some other things, you know, it does take time and it is early and it definitely is early with Jalen trying to navigate the offense without Obi and trying to work, trying to find the spaces where Chase can succeed when he's going through the lane. You know, that's a, that's a completely, those are two completely different players, tendencies, comfort zones, athletic ability, you know, Jalen's still learning how to play with them. And I think as time goes on, he's going to get better and better. I really was, I really liked the, the play of him. I tweeted it out. You know, if number 10 and number two show up for you and Dirt Road Johnson as well, you're going to have a shot. And that's what we're going to need. Yep, I think you're exactly right. It, it's those three guys that have to carry the load every night. And we got to clean up on the turnovers and, and get a little better effort on the on the glass. Um, I think they've made strides on the glass in game two. Uh, I think they did pretty well against SMU, to be honest. Um, in this last game, it was more the offensive glass than the defensive glass. But we mentioned miss a lot of shots. You're going to have a lot of defensive rebounds. All right, that concludes Rapid Reaction for tonight. We're going to do trivia, take you out of here, play the music. All right, boys, the trivia tonight has to do with the Horizon League since we just notched a win against a Horizon League foe, the Northern Kentucky Norse. The Horizon League's been around since 2001. My question to you, gentlemen, Dayton has yet to play 10 games against the Horizon League. What is their record against Horizon League opponents? Blackburn, you start. They have yet to play 10 games? Correct. I will say six and two. True. I'm going to say eight and one. Less games than that. And Drew is, I guess, technically closer. They are five and zero oh against Horizon League opponents. I did, I, you know, I, it was kind of something I was clicking back through. And originally, guys, I went back through to do this trivia because I thought to myself, well, when was the last time we lost to Horizon League opponent? Uh, but funny enough, we have not. We have never done it. Did, do you have the list of the Horizon teams we've played? We played, uh, going off the top of my head, Illinois, Chicago. We've played twice, Detroit, Mercy, uh, Purdue, Fort Wayne. Tonight, and uh, that would have been the other one. But Purdue, no right state, huh? No, no, no right state. <laughs> um, Purdue, Fort Wayne just joined the Horizon League like this year, so we wouldn't have played them ah, yet true, true, true. in the Horizon League. Don't worry, I did the research on this, okay? All right, nice. 5-0, and oh, all right? Closing up shop for tonight. Hope you enjoyed the rapid reaction. Flyers will be back at it on Saturday afternoon, noon Eastern tip off against Mississippi State. God willing, test negative. 
Um, I'm going to be doing the live pregame show again, guys. And I guess we can, yeah. we can end the show there. It was fun. I had a good time. Like being on radio oh. was a little haphazard, you know, the production of it. But this week got a little more ironed out. Um, it was a good time, though. Yeah. Who'd you, who'd you have on? Um, well, I had on Damon, who did the SMU preview. Um, okay past week so if you didn't see last week i did a, a podcast we had ryan mike sell then we had nan whaley um the mayor and then we had damon sales do the smu preview so i had damon do the same smu preview over the air and it was a two-hour show this week we're going to be on espn radio the entire time start to finish 10 a.m to noon and then um you know i'm gonna watch the uh, the game from tim's in a socially distant way <laughs> with mike sell was good mike sell was good i saw that instagram thing you did with him he was good yeah, yeah, he he gives really good insights. So we're gonna keep having him on as long as he's in the United States, which could be oh, days, right. could be weeks. Who knows? Right, right. Yep. Um, but right. anyways, yeah, that's that's my shameless plug. I mean, it's my show, so I get to do shameless plugs on my own show about my own show. Thanks again to our friends at Healthnetics CBD. It, again, if you want to go check out their products, healthnetics.com is where to find them. They're always going to be bringing you the rapid reaction, at least for the month of December. Um, and again, come listen to my show this Thursday. It's or sorry, Thursday, this Saturday uh, at Tim's 10 a.m. to noon. It'll be on ESPN radio. You can stream that on the ESPN Dayton radio site or on iHeartRadio, or you can just come see me at Tim's on Brown Street. Uh, for Blackburn, Andrew, I'm Sully. Going to remind you the two rules. Again, Dayton beats Northern Kentucky 66-60. Improved the two and one. The Mississippi State looms on Saturday. Wear red, be loud. See you later.
She said she'd do it all again. She promised not to tell.